You're listening to Wake Up Tucson. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Good morning, good morning, good morning. You're on Wake Up Tucson, hump day plus one. We were so distracted by snowstorms yesterday, I forgot to go to hump day, you know, the proper hump day for my boy uh, RG, but, well, thank you. Thank you, Sideshow Bob. Uh, Matthew, good morning, sir. Good morning. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday to you. Hopefully the tower keeps, uh, now that we're in 20 degree weather, I don't know if the tower is going to hold up or not. It's either a good thing or a bad thing. One right. or the other, we don't know. Depending on your perspective, right? It's like, you know, it's like the when you take your uh, Humanities 101 course, the first four chapters are about perspective, right? It's the same thing here, right? You know, if you're Adelita Grijalva, it was a good day for you when the, when the tower went out yesterday. So, if not, this is where we're at. So, uh, busy day. Sports intern at the bottom. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about U of A's last weekend, which was interesting. Uh, and then we're going to talk about, <sighs> mark the date, February 16th. Um, there's some new rules for baseball I want to talk about. And one of them is just stupid. So we'll get to that before it's over. Uh, and then we have U.S. Congressman David Schweikert, followed by U.S. Congressman Andy Biggs, followed by Naco rancher John Ladd. And John is hosting the Speaker of the House today at his ranch as part of the Kevin McCarthy, Juan Siscomani, and Congress People Tour. Super. So his, his ranch has been around since 1896, and he's lived and worked on it for 61 years. And so John, he's gonna he's gonna give you the maybe real maybe a little perspective, the, yeah. the, the real maybe a little firsthand the real state of the border. So and so John's at eight oh seven. So it'll be a hoot and a holler kind of show today. Uh, I did buy my uh, some of you. I, I did buy my uh, my wife the uh, the seventy percent off Russell Stover's uh, Valentine's Day hard at Fry's. So check the box, baby. Check the box. Um, we're going to share this story with you because so many of you have been... So we always lament the loss of life, but the um, Matt sent me this this morning. It was an AP story. A man attempting to steal a catalytic converter from a parked SUV in Southern California was run over and killed when the vehicle's sleeping driver awoken and started to drive away. Something else. And, you know, I mean, I clearly want to point out it was not an act of vengeance or I'm mad at you for stealing my property. It was just the woman heard some noise and uh, she was sleeping in her car. And or I, I think it was a woman. I, Anyway, a person was sleeping in their car. Yes. And uh, heard some noise and said, I better get out of here. And unwittingly. Yeah. It, 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 the, drove over a Darwin Award winner. So it, it's true, right? So, um they found a Ford excursion partially backed out of a parking stall, a man lying on the ground in a small vehicle in the stall. The department said the excursion driver was asleep when the smaller vehicle pulled up and one of the four people inside began sawing off the catalytic converter off of the excursion. AKA the, meatheads or drug addicts. The victim woke up. This is from the police department. The victim woke up from the sound, turned the car on, 
put the vehicle in reverse and felt a bump like she ran over something. She stopped immediately, leaving the suspect on the ground after running him over. Suspect was pronounced dead at the hospital. Palm Desert is in the high desert Antelope Valley, north of Los Angeles. So this catalytic converter thing mm-hmm. is a pox upon humanity right now. So was that next fix of fentanyl worth your life? Apparently, to that guy, it was. So is the question is when you have a when you here's the thing when you have a uh, organized team of four people moving around. I don't know if that's even a fentanyl thing. I just think they're scumbags. Right, make it an easy dime. So um, my my mechanic referred me because we had one of our vehicles, and I had another family member. So I had a family member who went into the Culvers on by Rito Racetrack. Went inside, you know, got a concrete mixer. Enjoyed their concrete mixer for fifteen twenty minutes. How could you not? Came out, catalytic converter gun. Right. Uh, friend of friend of mine who worked up in the foothills. She's at work, and literally her car was in a covered parking lot, literally twenty feet across the parking lot. There's a medical practice right there too. People coming in and out, and when she got out at the end of the day, no catalytic converter. And there's so many of you who have been screwed by these people. And so um, the guy that I used, who a uh, good local business guy, is called. Uh, it's over on. Rough Rough, uh, just north of Rough Rough on the I-10, and it's called Leon's Auto Works, Exhaust Works. Nice young kid bought it from Leon. I forgot, I got him in my phone. He was great, and, uh, you know, he says, Chris, I don't want to do this all the time. That's all I'm doing is replacing. He goes, I got other things I'd like to do in this kind of world of fixing people's exhausts and things that I specialize in, but... He's way too busy doing this stuff. And so I said, well, who's, how do they sell it? I, you know, because there's, there's precious metals in the converter that are getting, there's a variety of things. Platinum is the big one, I think. Right. And um, so who's buying them, right? And he says what they do is they ship them. They take it, whatever they need, they take part, and then it gets shipped, and then no one knows, you know, when it goes in the postal service or UPS where it's going, and then people are buying it online, and all that. that's so crazy. It's just all over the place. So anyway, I think a lot of you uh, feel a little poetic justice that the ladies sleeping inside her Ford incursion in Palmdale and these four maroons come out of their SUV and one guy gets under the and starts zozzling it off and she backs up and runs the guy over. So File uh, under uh, mess around and find out. Correct, right? So it's kind of the old adage, um, you know, if you do play in traffic, you will get hit by a car. Right, there's sooner That's the whole proposition there. Sooner or later, and and the thing too, right, is the greed was so great, right? They were just doing it like a machine, right? Like he didn't even know there was anyone in the car because ninety nine point nine percent of the time they just jump out, do it up, boom, move. But when there's four of them, that's an organized effort. And uh, so anyway, I know there's a lot of people who uh, have been felt um, violated by such an event. It's so, happened to a lot of people. Correct. Uh, rundown today. Um, we're going to have uh, Pete Buttigieg. If you remember Pete, he's the guy who said America was never great. Remember that guy? Good grief. That guy. Just 
Stop. Uh, um, we're going to tell you who he blames uh, the uh, the railroad uh, thing in Ohio on. I'm not saying it's his fault either. It's the idea that the lack of concern... The administration... Grandpa Joe and the people that tell him what to do populated his administration with, you know, incompetence and and a bunch of uh, um, activists. Correct. And that's what you got. Correct. Uh, Rand Paul uh, talking about health institutions accountable, holding health institutions accountable for denying medical care for the unvaxxed. So we'll talk about that. Uh Old Sniffer Joe, as my cousin Jimmy calls him, uh, claims food prices are up. We'll give you what the real number is because, of course, I know... He you... claimed they were down, I believe. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's see if it's got any... I, don't, I haven't changed the battery. Let's see, how, let's see how it's doing. It's right on the back end of it, right? Sounds like it's dying a little bit. See, I, oh! think, I, think it's, I think it's the ones with the deeper tones that, have, that drive more bass. I think those are the ones that are... <laughs> Uh, let's see how this one. This is the pl- one of the Pliskin Acre sounds. See, that's good. That's sharp. That's sharp. Um, reporter caught on mic making an admission about her coverage of Governor DeSantis. And I, I, I might take this a little different way. Uh, we got a crime report between stabbing in the Tucson Mall area, armed robbery at the Walmart on Speedway and Kolb. We got that. Um, Speedway and Kolb? Yeah, they oh they arrested a guy. Is that Pliskin Heights or what? What, what is that? All right, so I, one of the listeners on cold. Facebook, I think maybe he was talking about where it was at, but when we were talking about Twenty Second Street, Twenty Second Street, remember that's Kazakhstan. Yeah, so but this speed. is this is Speedway and Cold. This is more like uh, oh, uh, Paul Sylvania. Oh, Paul Sylvania. That's Paul Sylvania. I think I like it. Mm. Or, you know, then you have Cunningham, right? Kind of like a Tottenham, like a English uh, area, Cunningham. Pulsylvania, I like. Or I was also thinking, because that's where the Glassman Ice Rink was. I was also going to call it Glassman County over there. But let's go Pulsylvania for now. He's currently there. There will be better ones. Yeah, we're going to work on that. Uh, Pablo Stan? He knows <laughs> already. That, and now you get the leader in the clubhouse. Well played. Avis Suxistan. Um so we got to do that. Um, <laughs> can't make it up, dude. Um, so today, so it's interesting. So one of the Duran girls, I think it was Jen, put it uh, out yesterday that the 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 guitarist for Duran Duran, Andy Taylor, has a horrible case of cancer. And he literally called it a death sentence. Oh. But it also happens to be his birthday today. So I saw that story yesterday, and then he was really only one of the credible birthdays today. So I decided all Duranny all the time. All righty. In honor of Andy Taylor. So we're going to do that today. Uh, what else? Oh, and this was my bad joke of the day. Uh, Tucson is in early stages of stealing the Renaissance Festival from the Gold Canyon Phoenix area. Festival officials are looking to move to a city with authentic 15th century roads. Zinger. All right. Zinger. There was a payoff there. There wasn't a good payoff, but it was there. So anyway, that's my, that's my funny, funny for the day. I don't know if it's going to probably go downhill from here, but we'll go from there. Uh, We also have some of the statistics out of Europe on uh, Rona 
in relation to how many people actually died of Rona in relation to one out of every blank, right? We'll talk about that also while we're here. Uh, Rest in peace, Raquel Welch. She passed away at age 82 yesterday. And of course, you know, fantastic voyage. Wow. Voyage. uh, Of course, we had um, the one where she's the cave woman. Uh, thirty thousand BC or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and then of course that was the, was that was the uh, for, was that the first poster in uh, Shawshank Redemption? Remember where he had the uh, it was covering up the hole that he dug. Uh, not sure. All right. Well, anyway, but an icon, absolutely an icon, absolutely. So we got to do that. Uh, what else do we got here? Oh, Billy just put up in the Wake Up Tucson discussion group. Seriously, New York City sends fingerprints of uh, unvaxxed teachers. We got to we got that we got we got that going for us. Uh, listener Don about Noah's string of phone calls. Noah's batting nine twenty five right now. <laughs> Pretty good batting average. Uh, Wild Bill put a story out. Uh, also, sudden dominance of diversity industrial complex. And there, that's the yeah yeah I like that. And there is actually a um, Tucson reference in there. For our new diversity czar and how much she makes a year. Oh, it's it's a hot number, baby. It's a way hot number. So, and I ten's uh, open, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so I ten is reopened. Uh, Vale schools are back in session today. Nice. And, uh, yeah. Look, look, those kids lucked out, right? The nitric acid thing, right, causing chaos on that side of town happened on a snow day. Well, this is true, right? Mm-hmm. So, but uh, let's go to break. We're going Duranis all the way for Jen and Jackie and Jen and Mary and me and any of you Duranis out there. So start dancing while you're eating your cereal. Wake up, Tucson, 10th of the boys. Local news and talk. All right. The Duran girls are very happy with this. Uh, we're doing all Durani Thursday. You thought it was throw up Thursday, throwback Thursday? Uh, the dark, the, the, the darkness, the curse, excuse me, hashtag the curse has weighed in on the catalytic converter thing. He said, I, I had the catalytic converter stolen off my Prius, so it's hard to feel sorry for this dude. The cost of a new converter for a Prius is about 1400 bucks. Yikes. Now you can't, you can make a claim on your auto insurance for such things. So depending on the price of it. So, uh, one friend of mine who's. He had like a newer truck and things like that. It was by the time you did the, you fixed it right to get the everything that was connected to the catalytic converter that was also kind of needed to be replaced and right. everything. Like it was like a thirty five hundred dollar job. Sure, because the fittings where everything connects up have now been taken out. So he also gave us a suggestion for the Cunningham area, right? Because we have Plushkin. Sure. We got Kazakhstan. Yeah, yeah. The circle of self-righteousness is so perfect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the place where Rahina and Zach hang out with, the circle of self-righteousness, right? And then, um, so we were talking about this arrest at Speedway and Kolb, right? Did and, you say armed robbery? Did you say that? Yes. Here, Yikes! Let's, let's I get, did not see that. Let's see what we got here. Ugh. Um... The man was arrested following robbery. TPD officers were called about the robbery at 10 p.m. on Valentine's Day night. Uh, Paul Parsons, 50, was booked on one count of armed robbery. Goodness. That's by Marcos Incahuate over at Kagon 9. Now, um, remember, this is the same one that the, uh, 
the crack uh, fentanyl head lit on fire. Remember two right, Christmases ago? Christmas Eve or something. <laughs> sure. Christ- or the 23rd. Sure. Fixtures roasting on an open fire. So anyway, uh, the curse has... So we're trying to come up with a name, right? So you came up with Paul Sylvania, which is not bad, right? I, I already forgot mine, uh, but... Pablo Stan? Oh, Pablo Stan. <laughs> so... Um, he likes Cunningston. Cunningstan. Cunningstan? Okay. Cunningstan? All right, yeah. Dudistan? Dudistan. is probably not bad either. I feel, like, I feel like I'm leaning towards Dudistan. We're getting there. Anyway, if you have a suggestion for the Paul uh, Cunningham area of Tucson that the crime is starting to creep through really hard, please let us know. 7902040 or wake up Tucson comments at gmail.com. So, yes, sir. I feel like you're going to say I'm just something. Trying to form other ones. Oh, okay. it's, it's not. It's not working. <laughs> uh, what else do we got here today? Paul Slovakia. You know, there's <laughs> that. But there needs to be another syllable in the middle. All right, we're getting there. Pablo Slovakia. Pablo. <laughs> I actually like Pablo Slovakia. Actually, all right. That's the leader in the clubhouse, as we say in the Masters. So uh, the kids at Zero Hedge did a story about DEI diversity whatever and so tucson's uh in it and it says consider tucson arizona where diversity is not a buzzy talking point but an everyday reality with a population of 44 percent hispanic 43 percent white and only four percent black the city has no major racial incidents in decades Yet, like hundreds of other communities, Tucson suddenly decided in direct response to the George Floyd murders 1,600 miles away is that it needed an office of equity. Um, to many observers, the city was just pretending to solve a problem that didn't exist. After a two-year search, it hired Larice Walker, the youngest chief equity officer in the country at age 28, and in paying her a salary of $150,000, three and a half times what the mayor makes tell you man tucson a rising tide of something as we like to say pablo slovakia is now though is unless someone comes up with something different pablo slovakia is it's got good rhythm love it i love it all right we got larson the sports intern then we got schweiker then we got andy biggs and then we have uh john ladd 61 year rancher from naco arizona at 807 Wake up, Tucson. See, as a guy who is a, you know, big fan of Chris Squire, Getty Lee, John Wetton, I'm really paying attention to baselines over the last so many years. And this guy, John Taylor from Duran Duran, real deal. Real deal. 6.34 in the morning. It's a Duran Duran Thursday. Uh, let's go to the line. Sports director in charge of entertainment and sports and sports management. Uh, also all for free, uh, Ryan Larson. What's up, buddy? Hey, Chris, how are you doing? Not too bad. So one of us predicted the Super Bowl correctly, and it wasn't you. <laughs> I was kind of hoping you might have forgotten about that. <laughs> um, but, you know, if we want to go on who was closest to the final margin of victory, I was closer. Very good. Uh, so you're, you're running for office soon yeah, after you, that crap. Yeah, it's I got to spin it. Like, <laughs> I'm never wrong. I'm just not always right. So, uh, again, any for me when it comes to a Super Bowl, because I had no dog in this fight one way or the other, 
is I just want something that's close and fun and maintains attention for four quarters. And you'd have to say this one was successful at that, correct? Yeah, 100%. This game is awesome. I mean, we get we get a combined 73 points in this game. Uh, it's a close game throughout. Uh, in the first half, it felt like the Eagles were going to run away with this game. It felt like the Chiefs' defensive personnel was completely overmatched going up against the Eagles' offense, but the Chiefs flipped the switch in the second half. They go out there. They, in the second half, the Chiefs scored 24 points. Uh, they, they had four drives. Three of them ended in touchdowns, and the last one ended in the game-winning field goal. Well, for the Eagles, it's not like they took their foot off the gas in the second half. They still scored 11 points of their own, but the Chiefs were just on another level in that second half. And for and then you just look at what the Chiefs have done in this game, and it all comes down to, to this offense and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and what they've been able to accomplish. It was an incredible performance for this Chiefs offense, and for for the Eagles, you got to be disappointed. You let this one slip away. And because they were they were dominant in the first half, they clearly were the more talented team across the board. But they they just did not have answers in the second half for Mahomes. They didn't have answers for what Andy Reid was calling, and, and that was the difference. And also the uh, the Philadelphia defense just was not up to its usual par, especially in the second half. Uh, doesn't some fault go to them, no matter how much of a witch Mahomes is? Yeah, most of the fault I think goes to the Eagles' defense. Honestly, when you allow the, the Chiefs to score on every single drive in the second half, that's a terrible look. And, yes, you're going up against the best quarterback in football, but it's not exactly like Mahomes was dominant in terms of statistics in this game. The Eagles just had a bunch of huge mistakes that they kept making. One was on special teams where they allowed Kadarius Tony to return the ball to the five-yard line on a punt. That gave the, the Chiefs an easy touchdown. And then – on the final drive of the game, they let Mahomes, who's on a bad ankle and who isn't that fast to begin with, he runs a four eight forty, which is not which is fast for an offensive lineman and slow for basically anyone else. Like they allowed him to run for a thirty yard scramble that set up the game winning field goal, and so the the Eagles defense just did not have answers in that second half. And some of the credit, yes, goes to to the adjustments that Andy Reid made, some great play calling, some great plays by Mahomes. And, yes, yeah, some of the, the blame also has to go to that Eagles defense who had zero sacks in this game when they had 70 the entire year. They averaged four games throughout the season, and then they go out and they get Mahomes zero times. And then the secondary that just Mahomes was able to pick them apart. The, the Eagles defense definitely deserves a lot of blame, as much as the Chiefs offense deserves plenty of credit as well. Uh, so my good friend Max was complaining about the call. <laughs> Tell me about the right. penalty on the uh, Eagles. Was it bullcrap? Was it because, of course, he's saying he's already, you know, he's got that meme going out there with the ref with the red and white uh, jersey with the uh-huh. Chiefs emblem on. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you think about the I call? That one going around. So, yeah, for context, with the with the Chiefs on third and eight with the ball on the Eagles' fifteen yard line and two minutes left in the game, Mahomes throws a pass to Juju Smith Schuster that. Schuster could not catch, and it looked like the Chiefs were going to have to kick a field goal with two minutes left, which would give the Eagles time to go down and try and tie or get the game-winning touchdown. Instead, the refs threw a flag for defensive holding on Philly cornerback James Bradbury, uh, which effectively gave the Chiefs a free first down and allowed them to kneel out the clock and kick a field goal with 10 seconds remaining, effectively winning the game for the Chiefs. You know, letter of the law, this was the right call. It was like 
Bradbury grabbed Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, he admitted as much after the game, which credited him, where he's like, yeah, it was the defensive hold. Letter of the law, I hate this call. I absolutely hate it. Or, or spirit of the law, I hate the call. Because this was this was the most important play of the game. And with two minutes left, you just don't want to make that call for what was a small hold. It wasn't like Smith-Schuster was going to catch the ball. But, you know, I would like to have seen them let the players play, determine it on the field. And plus, just as an enjoyer of good football, kneeling out the clock and kicking a game-winning field goal, that's boring. I wanted to see Jalen Hurts have a chance to go down the field and tie the game or score a game-winning touchdown. That would have been awesome to witness. So it was kind of an anticlimactic end to what had been an awesome game, but you know, when 99% of the game has been great, I'm not going to let this 1% of the game spoil it. And the Chiefs deserve to win. If we look at win probability, people are saying the Chiefs gave, or the refs gave the Chiefs this game. But, you know, really all that happened is the Chiefs' win probability went, probably went from 95% to 99% with this call. It, didn't, it probably didn't change the outcome. But, yes, it is a disappointing way to end what was a really great Super Bowl. Tell me about the slippery field. <laughs> Because I've been hearing that yeah. a lot in sports talk that uh, the the Arizona Cardinals, whoever was in charge of the field, provided a crap field to play a football game on. Yeah, so the NFL made a big deal about how they had spent two years preparing the turf for this game. They had involved the United States Golf Association scientists from Oklahoma State, Sun and all these so yeah, all these so-called turf experts to come in and get the best NFL field possible. And guys were just out there the entire game slipping and falling like crazy. I mean, the Eagles kicker, he slipped on a kickoff, and players were constantly falling over. Now, if you had watched the Fiesta Bowl earlier this, or uh, just a month ago when Michigan and TCU played, you, you were prepared for this because in that game, players were also slipping and falling. That the field, people consider it almost icy because of how slippery it is. And so this was an introduction on the largest stage to how bad that field has been. And I think part of the problem you get is just you're, the, the way the Cardinals grow their grass is they just have it out in the sun all the time. So you take this grass, which has been out in zero in weather that where there's zero humidity, and then you put it in an air-conditioned stadium, suddenly it's just going to have a ton of condensation and get all wet. And that's going to cause players to fall. And it's been a recurring problem. <laughs> it, was, it, it was most notable because, you know, more people watch the Super Bowl than anything else in the world. But uh, this was not a new occurrence. This is a regular problem for this field, especially with the big games. Um, Eastside, Matt, they would have done better with Carl Spackler, turf expert, uh, to help them. <laughs> now, uh, so the, what we're saying, I just want to get this straight. The Cardinals can't get a coach right. They can't get a GM right. They double down on a quarterback that actually probably no other team wants in the league, and they can't grow grass. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure. I, I, is is that the scorecard we're at right now? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can't grow grass. <laughs> I can't. We we have a new court. We have a new GM. There's a new head coach. We don't know if they got that right yet or not. At least so only one of the three you're certain about. They've gotten wrong so far this year. My thing is, is that would another team would another team pay the money that the Cardinals have paid for Kyler Murray right now? 
Well, in hindsight, no. After the season. <laughs> but if would another team have given him the contract they gave him last year? Absolutely, they would have. All right. Because that, that's the way the NFL works. So, yes, Murray's contract looks terrible right now. They're paying him over $40 million a year. They Yikes. can't get rid of him. But, no, yeah, it, it looks bad right now. But last year, you definitely would have given Murray the contract. Does how, that make how much Cardinals they pay Murray? Feel better? No. $40 million a year. Uh, it, yeah. Isn't that what Mahomes is making, like forty five? Yeah, that's how NFL quarterback contracts work. So Murray's making $46 million a year, which is the only players getting paid more a year in average annual value. Average annual value is Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. So the Cardinals don't have the worst NFL contract in the NFL because that's Russell Wilson, but they have the second worst. And that's just how when teams sign new quarterback, quarterbacks new contracts, they give them an annual value. That's higher than what the other guys are getting. So Mahomes signed two years ago. He he's now getting he's now not the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. And Jalen Hurts, the Eagles quarterback, who made a million dollars this year, he's going to get an extension, and he's probably going to be making more than Mahomes, more than Murray. He's going to go up to fifty million dollars. That's just how it works. So I, I didn't realize what Mar- Murray was making. So the story that we talked about months ago, how he's not that interested in studying for games and watching game films. That story's even worse now that I know it. He's making forty million a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is the question, right? You know, is Murray going to take it seriously? And that's what the Colonels are hoping for with their cor- their coach hire is that not necessarily that he he's going to fix the offense necessarily, but that he's going to be able to engage with Murray, and that he's going to be able to build a repertoire with Murray where he can get him to study, where he can take things seriously. Because with Kingsbury at the end. They clearly just hated each other at that point, and it had become a major problem. But, you know, whether or not Murray's good, the Cardinals need so much talent right now that Jonathan Cannon, who's the Cardinals' new head coach, he whether or not he fixes Murray, that the Cardinals are not going to be good next year. They need, they're thin at every position pretty much except quarterback and wide receiver. So, so the, the new coach, is the he's the Murray. offensive coordinator from the Eagles, is that what you're saying? That's the new coach, right? Defensive coordinator. Defensive yeah, coordinator. Jonathan Gans, defensive coordinator. Okay. Mm-hmm. What you, you like this hire? Um, you know, I don't. It wasn't my first choice. I would have rather had Lou Anarumo, who's the Bengals' defensive coordinator, if you're going to go that route. But for Gannon, yeah, the Eagles were a top ten defense in the league this entire season. If you're going off purely off of one game with what you saw in the Super Bowl, you're probably not super excited about this hire, but. From what I can see and gather from what I've read about Gannon, is he's well-liked and well-respected by the players. And like I said, his main job is going to be connect, to connect with Kyler and to hire good offensive staff that can help him succeed and be happy. And then also he's going to just have to develop talent. Hopefully he's good at that. He did a good job building up this Eagles defense. So that's right. a good sign because the Cardinals defense has almost no talent right now. So they're going to need some expertise there. Let's take a phone call, then we're going to go to break. Uh, let's go to Ted on line four. Ted, you're on with the sports director. What's up, sir? Oh, I just wanted to, to throw in kind of an unnoticed uh, coincidence. This is a huge, the Super Bowl weekend was a huge deal for Texas high school athletes. Uh, Mahomes was from a high school outside of Tyler, Texas. And uh, Hertz was from a high school, Channel View High School near Galveston. And Scotty Scheffler was from Highland Park High School in Dallas. Look at you. (laughs) 
Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting uh, constellation there. Awesome. All right, Teddy, thanks for sharing that. Have a good day, okay. my friend. Bye. Ryan, when we come back, mark the date. I'm going to ask you a baseball question when we come back. Okay, I'll so be ready. It's about their. It's about the goofy new. Well, I thought goofy new. They're the new rules for baseball this year. Some of it I like, but right. there's one I'm sure I have a. I have a question on. So we'll do that when we come back. Okay. Spring training starting like now, kids. So you're on the Wake Up Tucson show, 1030 The Voice, local news and talk. 651 in the morning, you're on the Wake Up Tucson show, 1030 The Voice, local news and talk. David Schweiker coming up at 707. U.S. Congressman Andy Biggs at 737. And rancher John Ladd from NACO's calling in at 807. We're hanging out with the sports director, Ryan Larson. Ryan, welcome back, sir. Thanks, Chris. I'm really enjoying today because I actually know all the songs that are being played. Look so at that. This is big for me. We wanted to finally welcome you into the family. Now, um, <laughs> just now with the paycheck. So I see that the uh, MLB wants to, I, I mean, I was in shock when I saw the quote from some administrative dork. Uh, we're going to try to quicken these games. Two and a half hours this should be the ideal time for a baseball game. So what's what's the new rules that they're coming up with this year? Yeah, there's a few different new rules that they released. Uh, the biggest one in terms of speeding up the game is they're officially implementing the pitch clock into the major leagues. They've been doing it in the minors for a long time. But now there's a pitch clock where pitchers will have 15 seconds to throw a pitch when the bases are empty, 20 seconds when there's a runner on base. And they're also me- forcing the batters to be in the box within eight seconds e- between each pitch. And so... That that's the goal here with the pitch clock is to speed up games. And then MLB also made some other changes, like limiting the number of pickoffs a pitcher can attempt. Which thank goodness, because I hate watching pickoffs. And then they've increased the bases size and gotten rid of the shift in, a, in an attempt to increase offense and improve what we see on the field as well. So we don't just have a three true outcome scenario in baseball where everyone's either trying to get a walk, hit a home run, or they strike out. And so I think all, most of these rule changes should be good for baseball. I know a lot of purists probably are going to hate the pitch clock, but uh, in general, I think this is a move in the right direction for baseball, who's, in, who's been in desperate need of some updates. No, it's true. So who's, who's going to be watching the, 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 these various clocks on humans? Is it going to be someone on the field that has that responsibility, or is there a separate umpire now that's going to be watching everyone's time? So each stadium is going to be required to put clocks on the field. So there's going to be one located behind home plate. There's going to be one in the outfield where the umpire can see it. And then the job is just on the umpire to to pay attention to the pitch clock and, and make sure that the, the pitchers are not uh, violating it so that they can actually speed up the game. But, yeah, it's just going to fall on the umpire still. So there's still going to be some room for human error, obviously, because that's what you get with umpires. But sure. in general, this should be pretty easy to enforce. I do love the pitch clock. I do love the limiting of the pickoffs. I remember, you know, because I, I remember um, I w- watched a lot of Cub games with my wife in the old days watching Harry Carey, and I remember the one that he always hated mm-hmm. was when there was bases loaded or first and third, the guy who would fake the throw to third and then try to go to first. And uh-huh. I, I just remember, I can still hear Harry in my in my head going, oh, just stop, just stop. <laughs> Right. Yeah, pickups are the worst. I 100% agree with you. When dudes make a half effort to just throw over to first base just to sort of hold the runner on, it's so boring and it slows down the game. It's the worst. And I love baseball, but they got to get, I'm glad they're getting rid of that. No, I agree with that. So uh, bigger bases, I assume, is a safety thing? 
partly safety, partly it's to increase the likelihood of stealing bases because essentially you're giving runners an extra six inches. And, you know, a lot of those steal attempts are very close, close contests. And so they think the six inches, not only will it improve the player's safety of being less likely to hurt when running towards the base, but also give players a better chance of stealing, which MLB thinks is exciting, so they're going for it. And then the one that I don't understand is we're going to you can't do a defensive shift. If your stats show that a player pulls the ball 94% of the time and you want to pull your second baseman over uh, in the middle of the field, this is now illegal? Yep, it is illegal. And so this there is this generates some conflict because there's a lot of people who say if they're going to shift you, if there's going to be three guys say on the first base side of the field, just hit the ball to left and just put it on the ground and hit to left and you'll get a free single. And theoretically, that's true. That's what players should do. But players have refused to do that. They're not taking the easy hits. They would rather still just swing hard and try and hit homers or try and hit doubles into the gap on the pull side of the field. And so baseball is basically taking out of the player's hands at this point because with the shift, you're taking away a lot of would-be hits from players. Baseball knows that people want to see offense. They don't like it when they think that they're one of the players on their team has hit a single, but instead a guy who's in shallow right field just easily fields the ball and throws it to first for an out. So baseball's trying is basically saying you the batters have refused to adjust. So we're going to adjust for them and get and get rid of the shift so that we can have more offense and we can have more hits that aren't just home runs. All right, give me a uh Give me a uh, the, the the cats. Uh, what they got? They got pounded by Stanford over the weekend. Is that what happened? Yeah, they got they got demolished by Stanford. Uh, they Stanford shot sixty one percent in this game, and just in a quick brief uh, summary of this game, I heard a lot of people lamenting after the game that teams like Stanford, Oregon, and Utah have all had their best game of the season against Arizona, and that's just such bad luck for the cats. But in reality, if every team is having their best game of the season against you, maybe it's time to reevaluate your defense a little bit and figure <laughs> out what you're doing wrong there because that that seems like a trend. But also Arizona struggled because Tubelis had four fouls and only played 17 minutes in this game. That combination between allowing that 61% shooting from the field and Tubelis hardly playing at all and only scoring four points, Arizona's not going to ever win those games. So it's a bad loss, definitely their worst of the season. And it takes them out of the running for, for winning the Pac-12 regular season title pretty much at this point. But in the long run, the difference from that loss is maybe the difference between being a one and a two seed in the NCAA tournament. So terrible for Arizona, but, you know, the impact is not huge at this point in the season. So uh, I'm sure there'll be Arizona fans hissing at the at the radio. We just don't have that much depth. Is that where we're at? Right. If this one guy, yeah. if this one guy's not functioning, and our defense isn't that great, this is what happens. This is the trend. Well, yeah, Tubelis is just Arizona's most important player, and we've seen him establish that over the last couple of months. Where early in the season, it was sometimes Ballo would take over, sometimes it would be on Tubelis, but now it's just always on Tubelis. Tubelis is who the offense runs through, and yeah, when you get four points from Tubelis, I would pretty much, if you told me before any game, Tubelis scored four. Four points. I'd pretty much expect Arizona to lose almost any of those games, just because. All right, uh, so let me. Let, we're going to run out of time. Let me, let's say this guy's yeah. this guy's hurt. Let's say he was. Mm-hmm. Let's say he didn't. He wasn't even ready to play this game against Stanford. Before we got there, you would say Arizona should still beat Stanford by a good chunk, right? Without this guy. Yeah, 
Definitely. But I guess not. Right? I mean, Apparently that's, not. Right? I mean, that's where you're at, right? So you, it wasn't that he just had a bad game. Maybe he sat on the bench for a bunch of time with four fouls, it sounds like. It's okay. That's mm-hmm. Tommy's got to figure it out, dude. You know, got to build some depth. It's life, it's life in the fast lane. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it hasn't been good. Uh, who, who, they rely too much on Tubelas. All right, we got 30 seconds. Who are we playing this weekend? Uh, they play Utah tonight uh, at home, and then they have Colorado on Saturday. Uh, they should win both these games. Okay. Arizona is more talented than Utah. They they should be able to body Utah, who only has one big man. They have Tubelas and Balo, who are two very talented bigs. Uh, they should beat Utah. Obviously, that didn't happen earlier in the season, but at home shouldn't be a problem. Same with Colorado. Colorado has beat Tennessee this year, but they're on, in a free fall. So this should be 2-0. and If not, that's a pretty bad week for Arizona. Great job, my friend. Have a good weekend. See you later. Thanks, Chris. Great, Ryan Larson. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, the deficit baseline, and David just sent it to me. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria.